Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. The Star Wars Holiday Special, sponsored by General Motors. People building transportation to serve people. This week, the story is about Life Day. Many of the last uh, seven or eight Decembers have brought us new Star Wars to get excited about. This year, we've enjoyed three live-action series on Disney+, Plus, an animated one, too, uh, and all there is left to discuss is the mythic and largely shunned Star Wars holiday special of 1978. Uh, in a way, it is classic Star Wars. I mean, it goes all the way back to the beginning, original cast returns, practical effects, it is more unlike Star Wars in that it is unforgivably bad. This is my first time watching this, Ross. Um, I thought maybe you had seen it before, although having seen it now, I feel like when I suggested we watch this for the podcast, if you had seen it, you would have said, no way am I watching that again. And so now I'm starting to think you haven't seen it before. I've seen parts of it before. I have not seen some of the parts and <laughs> as much as I knew it was going to be bad, I was not prepared no. for how bad it was. No, me neither. I knew it was going to be atrocious. I knew it was not going to be pleasant. I did not expect it to be near torture. You make a really <laughs> interesting uh, distinction there, too, because I was thinking about how sometimes we have this idea that something can be so bad that it be kind of it comes back around and it becomes enjoyable again. Like that as a concept, I think, is much more pervasive than examples of it in fact are like Tommy Wiseau the room is probably like the quintessential example of it and there's like something yep. not on Wiseau about this special in fact although it's really not as much fun um like one of the one of the not I want to say one of the best times I've ever had in the theater but like I had a pretty good time in the theater going to see 50 shades of gray Be because it was really really bad and we just decided to kind of like give ourselves over to the lunacy of it but then I think the examples stop and you're totally right this was no fun at all. It was, it was really it was torture. Bad. Oh my god! Right from the beginning, where it's just grunts for like five, six minutes. Oh my of word! Just the the friggin' Wookies running around their carpeted home. Yeah, it was it, all in the family in a different language. And it was awful. And by the way, Carpeted Home, like it, there's something, it does just kind of look like a Frank Geary 1970s apartment. Like <laughs> their treehouse, like it stops looking like Star Wars at all. There's like a landline phone on the wall. They have a microwave. And like, it just happens to be where Wookiees live, but like worse Wookiees. Oh, absolutely. It, the costumes are insane, especially yeah. as you have Chewbacca in his real film costume. Right. Whereas you have Itchy, who is the creepiest looking uh, Wookiee I've ever seen. That's Chewie's uh, dad, Itchy? That is Chewie's dad, the one who has a little porn time during the movie. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we can, we can get to it, but legit, there is a VR porn sequence with, like, orgasmic grunts in it. It is so unbelievable that they actually have this in both Star Wars, but something that's made for children. And I don't even know where to, st to start. I mean, I started with Itchy, but you could really start anywhere with all of this craziness. Um, well, do I mean, you like, have a bit of structure that you want to kind of go through in not, how we tackle the insanity that was special? I have the YouTube because it's on YouTube. I have it in front of me and I can just like... 
uh, skip ahead in 10 second increments so we can like have an idea of like what's happening like uh, sure. chronologically. Although, by the way, I didn't know it was feature length. It's an hour 37. And so like, yeah, I it, forgot that it was this long. I thought it was an hour and I was like, ooh, this is the, rough. The video I watched uh, and probably most of them opens on the announcement that we're foregoing our regularly scheduled programming which was an episode of Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk and so like yeah. all I can think is like if you were gonna if you considered the Hulk appointment viewing and you were looking forward to tonight's Hulk and then this happened <laughs> I don't know like surely the immediate consensus was this is an abomination right yes everybody agreed right from the get-go what the fuck did I just watch right and it, there, it doesn't have any redeeming qualities. It's so incredibly low budget. Correct. There's nothing about it that's remotely Star Wars. And you're, you're, it does feel like it's trying to punish you. Because not only are the scenes bad, every single scene is at least 20% too long. Oh, if yes. If not, 200% too long. <laughs> <laughs> B, B. Arthur's song did not end well that's actually not end. i kind of only disagree in that i think that just from a musical standpoint it's easily the best number that in, is true including yeah. jefferson starship like it there was a lot of music numbers and i skipped through most of them i think that's okay i can still say i've watched this having skipped through the weird grasshopper bugler on on yes. tv like i didn't i didn't watch all of that i didn't watch the next one i didn't either um, a couple of those but I, st I stuck around for for b arthur's music number as she's like bar mm. wench at i mean i guess it's the most Eisley cantina yep it's akmina she is the night manager or the night barkeep at uh chalman's cantina uh the most famous mostly most Eisley cantina there was many of the actual um uh, costumes the original costumes Patrons. and character names yeah. from uh, a new hope so it is the same batch of scoundrels and she tries to kick them out and none of them leave and there's this one creepy stalker with like a hole in his head oh yeah uh that is he's he's creepier than cyril yes oh oh yeah he's so stalkery in in, a, in almost like a borderline me too kind of fashion but then she kind of is attracted to it and is she like a canon character now the the night manager she is now yeah wow because otherwise this movie is not canon it just can't be no it's not but a lot of things um well a lot of things have been taken from it i mean this is certainly the first time we see kashik uh although i think they call it like kazoo or something kazoo yeah yeah they call it kazoo that was very strange. I had never known that it had a different name, especially as everything else stayed the same. Like Chewie's son is still named Lumpy and his dad Itchy and his wife Mala. Really? That remains like canon? Oh no. Yeah. Why? We don't have now to live they, in that world. Now, none of the occurrences of this special are canon. Right. Thank God. It's just the existence that he does have family and that those are their names. But I really wish that I never saw any of them ever. They're so creepy. Yeah, I guess George just hadn't settled on a name for the planet yet. Because, um, you know, yeah, he he had kind of like figured out an awful lot of stuff before he actually needed to use it. So it's interesting that that like changed after he, the fact. And this is not a George Lucas product. either. No, I know. In fact, I don't know who wrote it, but I did read that whoever the writer is has admitted to have having done mountains of cocaine while writing the script for this. 
So it is that le- does not surprise. It me. is legitimately a cocaine fueled uh, piece of art. <laughs> nightmare is what you were gonna yeah, say. I do. I do mean nightmare. Yeah. Okay. So the first familiar character we see, in fact, is the opening shot, is Han Solo on the Millennium Falcon, and his objective in the storyline is he's basically driving Chewie home for Christmas. Chewie is trying to get back to to Life Day on on Kazook, and Han sincere gentle sweetheart that he apparently always was just a heart full to, of love to the wookies but even still it's so bizarre that's no but, i'm joking it's <laughs> so odd how affectionate he is in this movie like i mean it comes later when he actually arrives at the treehouse but even in the falcon he just keeps saying like i know bud we're gonna get there it's just not how han talks and then when he gets to the treehouse he literally calls um lumpy sweetheart mm-hmm. and he tells them all that they're like family to him that's right go to your daddy and it's, it's like Ugh. it's really weird and because lumpy's giant and lumpy and it, it it does not in any way make sense how sincere he he gives his performance. I'm shocked Harrison Ford was willing to give the effort that he did. Well, he didn't want to do it. Mark Hamill sounds hor- horrendous in, in this. Yeah, it, I want the get, acting is so bad. I want to get to Mark Hamill in a minute. I do know that many of them especially Harrison Ford, unsurprisingly, did not want Mm. to do this. I'm not sure what kind of like contractual thing they had going. But I had another thought. How did they get everybody back on board, including the globe, for Empire Strikes Back? Like, I know that like commercially at this point, A New Hope was a proven entity. But like, this could have suggested to studios and audiences that Star Wars was good once and sequels are not going to be worth your time. I think the only reason would be George. My guess is he made it very clear and it made it publicly known that he had nothing to do with it. And he was very vocal about hating it from a pretty early point. So I think that was probably the only way it was saved was the fact that people knew who George Lucas was and knew that Star Wars was his and that this wasn't. And it was just an accidental cash grab. And because the... I guess the division between TV and movie was also far greater at that point. True. Uh, much more s- silver screen times. And so I think that would have played a role that they certainly couldn't get away with now and, and would never have the ability to create something so, uh, what's sort of looking for? Well, just so sloppy and far from what the budget is, despite how atrociously written it is. Uh, so then we have like a proper introduction of all the characters you're going to see in tonight's special. Uh, Harrison Ford returning as Han Solo, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Carrie Fisher. They do say Anthony Daniels is here as C-3PO, but it's just R2-D2 as R2-D2 because they didn't get Kenny Baker. And so it is, in fact, just a remote control R2. And he has a very, okay. he has a very small part in this movie and all he does is screw up, which is not R2 at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's anthony daniels getting his way yeah all he does is just clunk around and and luke gets mad at him yeah that's true and he's uh pretty useless in the uh yeah he's pretty useless in the cartoon as well uh which you wouldn't have needed kenny baker for anyway uh, right uh, but yeah it was weird that they were all back anthony daniels oh, man i just keep being brought to different 
crazy points in the show. It's okay. We we don't have to go in any kind of order because we're just it's insane to try and be organized about the Star Wars holiday special. When he throws the shade at the end to all droids, Anthony when C three PO is like. I just wish that R2 and I could experience what being alive was like as well so we could enjoy like have the same emotional experience. He doesn't that want are. that. <laughs> it's such it's the most ridiculous sounding thing. It's really anti-Star Wars. It's really like not yes. what what the the droids think like. It's not how people think about droids. Exactly. And I guess there wasn't L3, such three would be pissed. There wasn't such an established idea of like the Tau of Star Wars at this point. The guy couldn't have been as big of a Star Wars fan as you or I are. The guy who wrote this thing, but I don't know. Yeah, it's he just also like, has a lot less to go off of. I mean, that's the thing. They only had a New Hope to build from, and I guess they took the weirdest parts of New Hope and leaned into those and leaned far away from anything that made any sense. So the thing about Luke. Uh, and by the way, like I mentioned, Han Solo is trying to get Chewie home to Kashyyyk, but it's not its not so simple because like the Empire is everywhere and they've announced martial law on Kashyyyk because of the suspicion of rebel forces. And so basically Chewie's family just wants him to come home for life day. They're beside themselves that he's a little late getting home. Like they're like oh. tears in the eyes. They can't get over how upsetting Calling everyone it is. across the galaxy. Yeah, checking in on people who are busy, like, for example, Luke. And so they have a video phone. And so they're talking to Luke while he's, like, working on some mechanism in his garage. And R2 is there. And you're right. It's the worst we've ever seen Mark Hamill. Now, to his credit, we've talked before about the car accident that left him facially scarred ahead of uh, Empire Strikes Back. At the point of filming this, it was incredibly recent. And so uh, he had had his injury he had scars on his face, and he was still recovering from reconstructive surgery. And so he has so much makeup on in this that he looks utterly uncanny. Like, he doesn't even really look totally like a human in this. And That's there's, true. There's a chance that um, he's on, you know, some painkillers or he's in physical distress while he's filming this, but the performance is just absent. Yes. Oh, it's 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 terrible. Uh, I did hear Mark Hamill speak uh, not too long ago, or maybe I only saw it not too long ago, um, that the descriptions of the amount of work that he had to get done was uh, a little exaggerated. And really? that it was apparently, yeah, the, the, the work and the scars, it was nowhere near as bad as uh, the media made it out to be or the Star Wars lore has spun it to be over the years. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that if it was it was fresh, he was still pretty banged up looking and uh, not engaged remotely. Uh, Carrie Fisher, though, despite having a truly awful performance to give in the sense that it's written t- terribly, uh, does at least try a bit and uh, it feels as genuine as you could make those words sound at the time. Yeah, I wouldn't say that she does anything more incorrect than everybody here. Um, yeah. He, I did love her song at the end, though. Ugh. It felt so... No, no, no. I mean, sarcastically. Uh, it felt like the part in Friends where Joey's ta- doing the speech and it's like loving and sharing <laughs> and giving and receiving. And she's, she's just like singing like, I hope this brings us peace and safety and happiness yeah. <laughs> and community and trust and loyalty. It's like she just keeps listing adjectives that are positive and it's ridiculous. Well, and her build up to it also, like the interlude, it's very apparent to me that they're trying to create a non-denominational Christmas song that uses like a lot of the same 
uh, verbal themes as your common traditional Christmas song, like peace on earth, goodwill to men. Um, Mm. And also like the main Star Wars theme is the main riff of that song, similarly to how the Cantina theme is so the main weird. riff to be Arthur's song. Like the songs but otherwise down, otherwise melodically have nothing to do with those songs, but they're a part of like the fiber of this new music number. It's so bizarre. Yeah, they are really weird. And at the very end, before the big musical number on, I don't know, was that like a star that they walked into? What was that ridiculous scene where they just, the Wookiees are wearing red robes and they just walk across the scene like it's Timon and Pumbaa and Simba growing up in front of the the moon and it's just them walking into the moon. And then everyone's in one place for some reason. Yes, they all just have arrived at this other world, like world between worlds. Hey, the world between worlds started way back in the holiday special. You know what it is? that's going to be brought in with Soka. You know, I'm going to give it a little bit too much credit, but I think what they're going for here is there is a format for a very traditional televised TV special featuring people from cinema who you're familiar with. And the format goes like this. It's black and white, and somebody is... uh, throwing a Christmas party, but there's a snowstorm outside. And so throughout the special, different famous people, uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, and like whoever is the going celebrity of the day knocks on the door, they come in, they sing a song with like Judy Garland or something, and then they go off. And then at the end, everybody comes together in a space that is no longer the living room set. It's a big studio loft with a giant Christmas tree and there's a big kick line. I think that's I think that's what's happening at the end here is that it's no longer the, the living room set. It's the denouement. It's the big, exciting showstopper. Yes, you're totally right. You merge that with the fact that Star Wars ends with one of those scenes anyway with the awards, right. the medal ceremony. Right. It's just basically like, oh my God, this is like, we're hitting two beats at once here, guys. Let's just play all the music at the same time over each other and uh, it'll be work. It'll work. How do we, how do they get there? I don't know. We'll do some like, uh, you know, teleportation like Kylo does in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and they keep doing these close-ups on Chewie's face for no reason. Like he doesn't, he can't convey any emotion, but they start playing the metal uh, ceremony theme music and they cut to Chewie's face and he just looks sad. And I know it's not because we've all decided in hindsight that he got ripped off for not getting a medal, but it, it harkens back to that very specifically. <laughs> just has this ridiculously stupid look on his face. <laughs> oh, hey, we got to talk about... Um, this special gives birth to an early, uh, version of Luthen who works in a junk shop and delivers parts to other good guys, I guess. I guess you could say, what was his name? Like, uh, San uh, or something or scene or something like that. I don't know. Um, He's just an old man and he, he is friends with the Wookiees. Like he brings Christmas presents to the Wookiees. He's so ridiculous. And also the empire comes in. And he sells him a personal grooming device, <laughs> like like a like a nose hair trimmer or something. He manages to give to convince him to he get wants one. To sell them wallets, too. wallets, and then the guy takes it. He just like robs him blind because he's a bad guy. That's right, and he's wearing a Death Star gunner hat. Yeah, just cause. <laughs> That's how you know he's bad. 
just walking around Kashyyyk with my giant helmet on for no reason. We do. And then he's, he distracts him, though, with like a tabletop fold-out battleship-style weird entrancing musical number as well from right. Tiny Aliens. Yeah. Um, it's the number of weird like side quests that this goes on just to give you musical numbers they do not make a a real effort to have them fit in anyway well yeah and their version of like cutting away to something else that has nothing to do with the main plot is that the wookies are just watching television or something like yeah. like the the whole b arthur uh most likely cantina sequence is just them watching the news and so it like takes you to tatooine but like it's also the most ridiculous news interlude. We're like, hey, we want to show you what life is like on Tatooine so that you know it sucks somewhere else. <laughs> it's desolate. <laughs> Nobody knows about Tatooine. That's right. Uh, um, and also Darth Vader is in this briefly. Like, yes, he's in the animated show. We'll talk about that. But we do like see Darth Vader walking down the hall with one of his Imperial officers. And there's actually nothing about it that that isn't traditional Darth Vader. Like, it's fine. I'm actually pretty sure he's from A New Hope. Maybe they cut it. I in. think he's. I think he's. Um, oh, that actually makes way more sense. It's. It's just a reshot. Yeah. It's just the the picture quality was so shitty that I didn't. I, I just. I'm viewing it in my head with like color correction and redone in 4K. It isn't remastered. I bet you that it's just footage from A New Hope. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, but Vader is there, but they do get dialogue from James Earl Jones because. He does say some pretty on-the-nose lines in the cartoon sequence. Not only that, it's the first it's the first thing ever where James Earl Jones is credited as the voice of Darth Vader. That's true. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. Because he's not, I don't think, on any of the original trilogy. No, which is strange because he was like an established Maybe actor at the time. He was like a recognizable voice at the time. It would be weird for like them not to have used his name it must have been he must have known david prouse and known that that would have mattered to him yeah david, uh, he he had a lot of pride around that character that george lucas didn't give a shit about because it's a shame he was like no he's he's my character not yeah. yours is <laughs> kind of the way he viewed it but also darth vader is the most um character by committee character in history Yes, but it's in the best possible way. Right, but the credit isn't shared necessarily fairly because David Prowse is obviously very important. So yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I mean, you have um, Bob Anderson who did the duels, and you had, and obviously Hayden Christensen now gets to play a little bit more of a Darth Vader role as opposed to just Anakin. Another important diversion: we cut back to the treehouse, and Mala is watching Martha Stewart. She has eight arms and it's like a cooking show or something and there's yep. like this weird stir gourmanda i think gourmanda okay sure stir She's whip, canon. stir stir whip whip stir stir goes on for a while oh my god it does <laughs> it doesn't stop no. it doesn't why it's like they know it's a family guy joke that they run too long yeah it but seems like a troll. Like seven or eight times throughout the thing, just to give us like an extra twenty minutes of runtime with recycling the same scene over and over. And same with the porn scene, which also takes way, way, way too long. Show you like serenades itchy over the VR set. It does. 
I think her hair comes out of place at one point too, uh, Guramanda. Like I think that like they oh, that they, they had a wardrobe malfunction and they're like, who cares? Let's just keep going. <laughs> we don't have any more. <laughs> so songs. it is like an SNL sketch. It really does feel like that when somebody's mustache comes loose in SNL. Yeah, and they just like they chuckle and keep going with it. Oh, and then there's another. Uh, is this a musical number? Like, does the porn lady also do a sing song, or is that somebody else? Yeah. Yes, no, she, she does. does as well. She wears like a weird doily on her head. It's unbelievable that like they yeah talks about pleasure and uh, yeah this is your fantasy yeah a fantasy that you created um i'm exactly what you want and all the like it's it's so sexual it's ridiculous it's also there's nothing subtle about it at all it's interspecial also like this is a wookie cracking one off to a a woman (laughs) that's true who's like a, a lounge singer in like the 40s that's what he envisions as like his perfect woman and this is chewbacca's dad yeah so this is our like our favorite dog's dad (laughs) humping a leg Uh, (laughs) basically yeah uh we go to that we finally get to see carrie fisher she takes a little while before she shows up she's partnered with 3po and now she's checking in on the the chewy family um and brutal dialogue. She's like, hey, I wonder if I could speak with either Chewie or Han right now. And 3PO is translating and he's like, we're actually afraid that can't happen right now. Like nobody's speak, nobody's just saying what they mean. Yeah, they're not here. They're stuck yeah. in traffic. And then they all get really freaked out. Oh, I know you're going to have a great life day, but take care of yourself. And then shortly thereafter, uh, the Empire invades the treehouse. Yes, they do. And it gets... It's both hilarious and at the same time, very Nazi-like. Oh, yeah. Uh, They do a really good job of being invasive, but they also can't help themselves from being outrageously silly the entire time with the ridiculous acting and the angry guy with the giant hat again who's just like pushing people around. Yeah. And then, of course, their friend, uh, the the weird pirate guy. Luthan, yeah. Art Carney. Um, with his like belly hanging out, he's trying to distract them. <laughs> You're right. He looks like Boss Hog, <laughs> <laughs> or like he's, Boss Nass, if you were. Like, or he looks like Jabba the Hut as the human, the Irish guy. He actually does a little bit. How cool would it have been if it was a hut instead? And so, like this, for some reason, they're they're going to like let I don't know seven or eight of their important soldiers just hole up in this treehouse and they're bored here like uh they're doing a census basically <laughs> yeah totally and 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 the the luthan guy decide he's gonna like cook for everybody but also it's just a diversion so that he can like get mala out of, out into the kitchen and the guy with the weird helmet he's gonna watch some tv and that's when we cut away to jefferson starship and they do a, a song i skipped through that yeah that was ridiculous also the microphones needed to have like pink lightsabers over top of them, which they were not very good at aligning with the microphones, so it kept moving throughout the scene. So now is as good of a time as any to discuss the animated short within. This is easily the best part. Of course. It's not even close. Of course, yeah. Because it actually kind of feels, it it's obviously feels very like childish, but at the same time, still kind of feels a little like Star Wars. It also feels like Mark Hamill's 
putting in his best effort here uh, and also showing the fact that he has a really good voice for animation because it allows him to kind of over inflect and it can work. Uh, and the story was kind of okay. It wasn't ridiculous. Boba Fett uh, was your... He makes a series kind of, debut. Yeah, but he also does it in a really great classic Star Wars way. He's your like your friend or foe character who comes in pretending to be able to do a favor for you, but secretly they've been working against you the whole time. And like that's the the anti Yoda style, which I think is great to do that even before Yoda. Yep. And so I, I, it goes to show that this was a character George specifically wanted in there, and one that was identified. And they, he was like, okay, this guy's also in your tool belt. And I think they use him as well as they possibly could. And it, it, he he shows up pretty cool. He is the only cool thing that you can take away from this. And it would have been pretty cool to see him turn up in Empire Strikes Back, having having seen this travesty several years before. Like, mm. oh, I remember this character. He was like kind of the cool part in the weird animated part of that um, awful Christmas special we watched a few years ago. Um and like suddenly now he has dimensions. I mean, not that he's like so heavily used in Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, but like well, he speaks more in this. He absolutely does. But this is his his series debut. And like, yeah, he is kind of like playing both sides and there's a twist there. Although it's funny that like the reveal is that Boba Fett is actually Darth Vader's right hand man, which is also not really true canonically. But no, but whatever. there was a point in time where. That was believed, and there was also a lot of Legends arcs, and some in canon, that show he used Boba for a window of time, that he was um, certainly someone he relied on. But no, that is not canonically accurate, especially seeing as uh, we're learning so much more about Boba these days. It's very comic booky. The animation style is not... Uh, it's very 70s. I'm not a great fan of it, and like some of the facial renderings are like really not my style. But you could say that also the long about, faces. Yeah, you could say that a, about a lot of animated Star Wars. Like I think it's gotten much better, but there have been phases of animated Star Wars that are not animated to my liking. But that's fine. That's just an artistic choice. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of other like criticisms of the of the animated thing. Some cool weapons. There's like a dinosaur. And I know that's sort the of the mythosaur, like that's kind of re-emerging in Mando in ways that are actually kind of nice. Like they're like winking at this this fun history that, you know, Star Wars has always been kind of ashamed of. Like George Lucas literally tried to have this scrubbed from existence, this special, and he mm -hmm. was unsuccessful. Now, if anybody could, Disney could, but they've decided, eh, who cares? It's funny. Like there's no harm in just like, acknowledging that it exists and in certain ways we're going to let mando wink at it now in episode two or one one episode one of the mandalorian din learns to ride uh, a blurg right the season finale maybe the series finale of book of boba fett boba tames and rides a rancor right these are the current states of the most famous Mandalorians. Now, we know Favreau and Filoni love pulling things from Boba Fett's origin and repurposing them for Din, such as like the Amban phase rifle that Boba has in this special is Din's gun. Now, I believe that it has always been set up where... Din would rise to become the Mandalorian, the Mandalore, the one who would kind of reunite the Mandalorians the way Boba Fett did in Legends 
and we will get a moment uh, that will be a much bigger payoff than Boba riding the Rancor, where the gigantic Mythosaur appears on Mandalore, tamed by Din or Grogu, or the two of them together are yeah. able to do it. That could be sweet. And this, and it would be huge, like Godzilla size. They will make this thing, and I think it's going to be an incredible spectacle. I've been waiting for that, and I think it was cool to see it. This Christmas special, this holiday special, actually. Uh, kind of introduce that and could see the origins. That'd be really cool. All right. Well, we cut back to Lumpy. He's watching some kind of, I don't know. I was kind of bouncing out at this point, if I'm honest, like an infomercial for like a weird switchboard. And then the guy presenting it is like glitching a lot. I'm not sure what that's supposed to tell us. I didn't understand it at all. Nope. And he had like the weird pointy thing. Uh, it was the most, I don't understand the purpose of this uh, in <laughs> A slew of I don't understand the purpose of this, but this one in particular, because it was not like I don't see who was supposed to be entertained by that. Um, but he'd been working. Maybe was, there was a hint in there that I wasn't paying attention to that. He, that's how he learns how to hack the device to trick the Imperials, something along those lines, maybe. Right. Then we go to to Mos Eisley. I guess we kind of already talked about this. Like uh, B. Arthur's fine. It's just like, why is B. Arthur in Star Wars? It's so bizarre. Um, mm -hmm. Cantina is obviously like an iconic sequence in the first movie and so they wanted to kind of uh, reference that I suppose guy with a hole in his head is very creepy she uh, is shut down by the Empire but she can't seem to get anybody to leave and they're willing to like kill her if she tries and she just keeps saying fine one more round it's on the house why is she giving out so many drinks for free <laughs> Nobody's asking for them for free. So no. Giving away. And like begrudgingly, she's annoyed to do it. So like, why is she? Because she's B. Arthur. She's always aggravated. Yeah, um, no, she she does have a good Star Wars vibe, though. And I feel like yeah. Sid in The Bad Batch, who has taken kind of that, that spiritual position of uh, cranky curmudgeonly member of the underbelly. Anyway, through the music number, she is able to kind of clear house. We see uh, Figure and Dan, they play their little horns, as you said, a little bit slower than we're used to. I guess she kind of gets with the, the creepy guy in the end because he's the only one who hangs around after closing. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh, and then we cut back to the climax of the movie, I guess, where um, Han and Chewie finally arrive at Kashyyyk and it's fine. They like knock a stormtrooper off into the abyss. Yeah, they leave one stormtrooper behind after all of this effort, and we will help. We will helm scream him away right. as he falls off. And then, of course, uh, fake Luthen or chubby Luthen, whatever you got to come up with a nickname for this guy, uh, he does the most ridiculous. Like, let me call the Empire and say he ran away. Don't believe. Me. <laughs> yeah, there's no like final action climax. It's just like everybody arrives there on time, and they've decided to lift martial law just in time. Yes, exactly. And this entire time, it makes you realize that Mala was just overreacting. Well, she really was. She was a little too hyper-emotional through most of this. Now, who do you think is the first character featured in the credits? You would think that it would be like one of the famous names that we know really well. Like Even though that Harrison Ford is like clearly not the star of this special, neither is uh, uh, Mark Hamill. You would think that they would want to lead with and look who we got back, even though you know. But was it like one of the Wookiee parents? 
They lead with all of the Wookiee side characters. They go with Mala, Itchy, and Lumpy. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I know. These are the most these are the ones we, we love. This is what brought us in. Why would we be watching this like for Han Solo? Uh, oh my god, I can't believe we didn't bring this up. Um, you know that rug that you ordered? Yeah. It was uh it was it was handcrafted alone uh, by a woman. You could say she made it uh, by hand solo. Oh, yeah, solo. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I kind of love that, if I'm totally honest. Not because it's good, but because they dared to do it. <laughs> it went out of the That is true. It is they the know that's stupid. Oh, that that is well they, they they know a lot of this is stupid. Yes. I should I should hope so at least. Yeah, you're right. Uh yeah, and then that's it. Han gets like weirdly gooey and he's like I love you all and then there's like a kiss between two wookies. I I guess is that Chewie and his wife? Yep, except it's super weird as well. Oh yeah. Uh, and they it's really long. They linger uh and they give us this then kind of pan down to them all being in robes and slippers. I just can't understand why, why if they had the power to get back this cast, why this was the special they wanted to make. I have no idea. It's because they didn't understand what a Christmas special or a holiday special had to be or could be. uh, And they had the budget to do it. And so they decided there's no reason to not do something. Let's not show restraint. And then let's just, vomit something out but it's really not a holiday special at all like it's it's yes like it takes place on a holiday in universe that is supposed to be like a um a surrogate christmas like it's a family holiday but there's Mm. nothing otherwise festive about it they don't cut away to jefferson starship playing here comes santa claus or something like because who needs that to make sense it might as well have some kind of like christmas to it otherwise we actually just have another feature-length star wars movie that everybody collectively decides to not acknowledge yes i think that's don't ever say that again please Uh, i don't like that sentence (laughs) (laughs) it's something that uh, i will not acknowledge it either it was appalling in every way but i'm happy i've seen it yep i will never watch it again really won't no no, there. I'm. Sh- I'm sure I will reference, uh, or maybe to look at a clip in, of the animation at some point, or if I need to see something to remind myself. Did I really see that? Was or was like, I drugged by uh, the ridiculousness <laughs> of what I was watching. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything more to say about it. I guess I like. I tried to read some trivia. I think we've shared some of that. It was. It was. Uh, it's really bad. Really terrible. Yep. It was really awful, and uh, I hated it, and I've never said that about anything to do with Star Wars, but uh, I will stand by those opinions. I think they're right. I think it's objective. Oh, the writer tried to get Robin Williams, but the studio told him no. The studio told him no. (laughs) For what? For um, the pirate guy? I don't know. I'm I'm guessing the writer didn't know Star Wars any better than he knew Mork and Mindy, and he's like, well, that's another alien. Like, Can't we just like get him in? You're probably right. They probably uh, Alf could have also come in, and ET. Honestly, if Alf did come in, it would have saved it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Shumway walks in. Yeah, Mel Mac is in the Star Wars, the Galaxy Far, Far Away. You know what? Right there, that's something I want to see. I want Disney, if they don't have the rights already, to get the rights to Alf. 
so that Melmac can become part of canon. Well, and like there's another fun little fan theory. You don't want to read too much into it, but like the the idea that E.T. species actually exists in the galaxy far, far away. One, because yeah. the E.T. species is in the the Senate in the prequels. Mm. And then also the inverse is that E.T. recognizes a Yoda costume in the Halloween sequence. Yeah, that's a good point. I always forget about that one. because I'm obviously not as big of an E.T. fan. Uh, but I mean, it makes sense, especially with everything that uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg share. And there's lots of that in even like Luthen's shop, for instance, with the like, Indies whip. And I think the Crystal Skull is in there. Oh, yeah. And so, oh, they've got bloody everything. I think the the arc is in the, there's tons of Indiana Jones stuff in Luthen's shop and through it all of Star Wars. And same with other things like E.T. and associated items. Speaking of that, I think we have to cover Dial of Destiny on this podcast. Sure, that'd be fun. When's it come out? I like May, I think. That's what I thought too. I just I figured yeah. Lucasfilm was using that time slot for. I mean, not if it comes out overlapping with other Star Wars things, but like at some point, I think we should dedicate some time to talking about it because it's like the other big Lucasfilm uh, property, and it's obviously Harrison Ford, and there's a chance that it's going to be really good. I certainly hope it is. Yeah, end of June. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I I really can't wait to see it. It looks really good. Uh, trailer looked great. Uh, we're not covering uh, Willow on here, but uh, I think this is a little bit more of the mainstream Lucasfilm. So I yeah. think that would be appropriate. Uh, I heard we do the have new a lot Willow's, to cover, though. I, I heard the new Willow's pretty good. I've heard it's all over the place. Okay. Uh, meaning some of the episodes are good, some of the episodes are bad. Uh, it's, it's like some parts of it are good, but it also feels like they merged medieval um, storytelling with. 21st century like you know the face for texting thing that you always say like oh yeah. that person doesn't belong in a in a period piece right they do a terrible job of that oh, they intermingle okay. a lot of modern dialogue with like miladies and whatnot well i mean willow is kind of a hobbit ripoff yeah but that would be like if the hobbits also were like hey bro <laughs> it just doesn't work <laughs> yeah you're right that would be bad is there any other star wars news we should hit on this is our last pod of the calendar year well, we will have a lot in store for ourselves next year. Uh, there was the kind of season or yearly preview for Disney Plus, and they showed a still of Ahsoka, one we'd seen before, just her taking off her hood, but also Jude Law with his kind of collar and, and hood up, hiding behind a pole. Yeah. Uh, more information is coming out about Skeleton Crew, and uh, it's interesting. Apparently, it is, from a lot of reports um, in the, the leak world, the worst run production uh, in terms of morale, oh, uh, it is apparently not a pleasant environment. It's, uh, I, th I think, just grueling schedule, maybe. Uh, I don't know whether it's not enough time or the locations are tough or there's, but it, it's, uh, there's been a lot of quitting on the production staff and just generally people who have worked on multiple Star Wars projects not enjoying this one very much. Oh. Maybe John Watts is the problem. Maybe John Watts is doing his damnedest and it's a bunch of other things that are out of his control. But that's one to watch because some Star Wars projects that have been plagued with that have turned out totally fine. Yeah. Like Rogue One and some have turned out. Uh, not as totally fine like Solo, but in Solo certainly didn't seem as disjointed. It certainly it could have with the change so late in the game and the way it was shot and whatnot. I was actually uh, thinking but about that'll be Solo. Interesting to keep our eyes on. I'm not sure why, but Solo came into my head today. I'm sure it, it occurred to me. You know what? I know exactly what happened. I was I was thinking about Solo today, and I was thinking I probably haven't watched that in about two years. Solo's not so bad. I thought like I should I should rewatch Solo like. Solo's, you know, it's pretty good. 
And I realize now that it occurred to me while I was watching the holiday special and anything looks good against the holiday special. Now, that's a little unfair to Solo, which actually isn't all that bad, although it's it's no. never been something I felt passionate about. But I've also, mm-hmm. in years since it came out, never like had a, a craving to put it on, except today I did. Like Han Solo in this holiday special made me miss Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. That's really <laughs> fucked up. That's really fucked that's up. That's a funny way of putting it. Yeah. Although whenever I see a, a de-aged Harrison Ford, it makes me want to envision that and mm. certainly looking at uh, Shamook's um, uses of um, deep fake and putting Harrison Ford's face on Alden in on YouTube and whatnot. Uh, with that skeleton crew, some also information a little bit about the plot is kind of leaked out, not necessarily been announced, but that uh, Jude Law will be, a, he's apparently playing a teacher oh. and that it's a field trip that goes awry. And <laughs> okay. uh, He's, that's why it's it's him and a bunch of kids uh, and Stranger Things style has been thrown out there. Uh, and so okay. apparently a, f- a field trip that goes wrong. Pirates play apparently a, a significant role in the show. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that there's a crossover with Mando or Ahsoka um, in, in some capacity because it will be part of that timeline. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that that could be introduced early on. Uh, believe that it's more likely to be Ahsoka because uh, the rumor is that they're establishing for the first time uh, a very clear and distinct in canon new galaxy. And so wow. uh, that that is where Thrawn and Ezra were. They were in a completely different galaxy. Huge. Uh, so that it could be that it's just the unknown regions or they could be going, um, it, it's a brand new galaxy that's like adjacent. And thus, that's why Luke was the last Jedi um, when Yoda died and talk, like really all the stakes mattered, that would mean ah- Ahsoka was out in, in a different galaxy during the original t- trilogy time period. So it retains a lot of the sanctity there, which certainly works. And then it's believed that that's where this field trip goes awry. And so that that show will kind of be introducing and, and maybe, maybe that show is where Thrawn first shows up or Ezra. And maybe that the end of skeleton crew season one is realized they end up on the same planet that Thrawn and Ezra have been stranded for a decade or yeah. something along those lines. So I think those are going to link up in some interesting way. Um, but that's just very loose kind of um, small bits of plot uh, or overall show uh, plot line that people are, are getting out there. Uh, and Acolyte uh, just continues to get kind of a little bits of more information uh, about it, uh, smaller bits of kind of set info. So that seems to be going along pretty well, and it should be shooting for the next four months or so, they're expecting. So we should get Acolyte probably in spring of 2024, uh, but we'll get, I think, Skeleton Crew and Ahsoka uh, next year, along with Mando season three, which we're getting in March, and we have Bad Batch starting in January, which I'm looking forward to. Wow! Uh, so it's going to be a very good year. There's Jedi Survivor, which looks like it's going to have a really interesting storyline that could link up with kind of the expanded galaxy stuff that's going on. It, it's going to link up most definitely with the High Republic based off of some imagery we've seen and that's going to link up with the acolyte so it's nice to see star wars starting to kind of thread some fibers together the way that they always promised that they would and have done a really terrible job of uh and it's not that i've not enjoyed all the content it's just it's not really felt as cohesive as it looks like they're trying to make an effort for so i'm excited for that i really like um kind of that 
consistency across and having people like Pelly show up in, in Book of Boba Fett, I thought was a really good first example of something like that. Okay, well, that's our year uh, with the podcast. Hey, have you seen the Star Wars holiday special? Do you have any experiences or memories or feelings about it? We would love to hear uh, what you think. By the way, you can watch it on YouTube at your own peril. Uh, email uh, recorder66podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at recorder66. Um, rate and review on your preferred podcast app. Uh, or if you're with us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe over there. We are wishing you a very Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or Happy Life Day to those who celebrate and a, a happy start to the new year when we will return. But in the meantime, until we are together again, may the force be with you. Yeah.